Christian, the life of a believer, um, is to stop there. I believe that's just the beginning. Uh, the day you came down and said that prayer, uh, whether it was with someone specific or you did it in church or you did it as a child or when you're older, we can, most of us can remember that day. And that was the start of something new. That was the beginning of something. That wasn't, okay, I've you know, done what I was supposed to do here on earth and now let me just wait till I get to heaven. Um, and I feel that if you talk to anybody that, that is just trying to attain for heaven, they'll admit to you that there's something more. Uh, how many of you, before you started coming to this church, maybe you knew there's something more? There, there's something beyond what I'm hearing. There's something beyond what I know. There's something beyond what I've learned so far. And there's always more. That's the great thing about God's Word is you can never get the end of it. You can never study all of it. You can never get to the point where I know it all and there's nothing else to gain. There's no more knowledge to grow in. And so, Lord, just take me home. Uh, there's always something else new we can learn. And so that's what excites me. And, um, you know, God has placed me in this position as it pleases him. And um, I'm going to account one day, be a, a good steward of what he's given me and the, the people he's placed within this body. And so I want to be sure and um, preach what uh, he's asking, asking me to preach. I don't preach what people want to hear. I preach what God wants me to say. Okay? Um, so I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that it, to see the change in your life. I've seen change in my life, and I pray that you... Uh, feel the weight of what we've been ministering the past few weeks because that's where the change comes from. This morning, um, and actually this past week, I almost felt led to go in a different direction. And um, really last night I was still struggling. Where am I going to go this morning? Am I going to stay on task? Uh, you know, because I want to be led by the Spirit. And I don't want to be stuck in a series just to say, well, I'm, God, I'm in a series. I can't come off of that. Uh, if He wants me to preach something different, um, you know, we'll do that. We'll be obedient to that. And um, I almost felt a different leading. And then this morning when I was studying, it all laid out. And we're going to finish the kingdom of God, uh, this part of it. Now, when I say finish, you've heard me say that it's the foundation, the, the basis for everything I minister. So you'll continue to hear that. You'll continue to see the kingdom working in everything we preach. But um, next month, you know, we finished out January. We started talking about change. Five weeks ago, this this uh, this month had five Sundays in it. We started talking about change. What's the difference going to be? And um, so we opened up the kingdom. We laid that foundation. We're going to finish it out, that part of it today. Um, but next month, God is showing me that I, next month we're going to deal with four specific areas of change that just about everybody deals with in their lives. Uh, when you get to New Year's resolutions, and you say, well, that, that was five weeks ago. Why are we still talking about That's the mentality that keeps people getting to February 1st, and they're not doing what they were doing January 1st. Um, so February 1st, you're going to hear me uh, touch back on what, we, what did we set our minds to do January 1st, and that was change. And usually when you get to New Year's resolutions, there's, uh, there's some core areas that everybody wants change, and they, they want to change their financial habits. Uh, they want to get closer to God. Uh, one of them is their own personal identity, uh, whether it be weight, uh, whether it be eating right, uh, whether it be insecurities, those type of things. Um, and then another one is in families or in the home. That's another one. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better husband or wife. I want to be a better uh, you know, leader of my house. Those are usually areas uh, for if, if you did a family feud questionnaire, those are four of them that are going to pop up 
on the top list. So we're going to hit those areas. We're going to hit them next month. Every Sunday we're going to talk about a different area uh, and what we want to do. Because remember, we're not just changing just to change. We're changing to get aligned with what the Word says. So we're going to go through the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about our finances and how I should uh, be working with money? What does, the fi- what does the Bible say about my home and how I should be the leader of my home or how to operate as a husband, a wife, a child, a, a, a parent? Uh, what does the Bible say about me and who I am and this being the temple of the Holy Spirit and how I should get my body, my physical body in line to keep me in the earth? Uh, and then what does the Bible say um, about... Uh, what was the other one I just listed? We said finances. We said family, uh, our, our home, our family. Um, we said uh, our bodies and our relationship with God. That was the other one. So what does the Bible have to say about our relationship with God? What does the Bible have to say about church and, and being in church? And, and what are ways that I can get closer to God? Um, so we're going to hit on that next month. Um, so I'm excited. You, you do not want to miss in February. If you, if you have to miss, if you've got things scheduled, uh, make sure you get a CD. You don't want to miss what's coming next month. It's going to be very good. Amen? Well, let's get into where we're going this morning. If you will, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. I can't do a whole recap, but I will do a, a small recovery of what we've talked about the last three weeks. Remember, we stated... that the kingdom of God is God's government system that he intended to operate in the earth. God being king rules in an unseen realm called heaven. Heaven is his kingdom, his territory that he rules over as a king. And as that king, he wanted to uh, extend his territory from heaven to the earth. And so he created the earth in the seen realm. So now you have the unseen realm heaven, you have the seen realm earth. And he wanted that seen realm to reflect what the unseen realm has, heaven. So the Garden of Eden, which is where God placed man originally at the beginning of the entire Bible, was to look and mirror and uh, be a replica of what heaven was. And he placed man in the garden, but not just as another creation. He didn't create him like the trees and the animals and the waters and the earth. He created him out of the earth. And he breathed his life, his likeness, and his image into man. Then we know this, that uh, he did not just put man on the earth just to roam around it. He put man on the earth to rule over it. Uh, The Bible says, uses the word dominion. And that word dominion, it means to have control or to manage, to rule over something. That's what dominion is. So now Adam and Eve are in the garden with control and with management over what God placed there. So God created the heavens and the earth. Man is in operation or in ownership uh, and control over uh, the earth that God created. We know that man sinned. And man in sin, in in disobedience, not only lost um, the garden, but lost the rulership and authority over the entire earth and gave it over, actually handed it over to the enemy. So now Satan is the god of this world, the death, the decay, the corruption, uh, the mismanagement of affairs. The the things that are happening in the earth around us are happening because someone else is in control. Uh, This thing is not the way God designed it to be. Uh, We know this. Uh, Things are corrupt. Things are falling apart. Uh, People have selfish motives for everything they do. And so uh, God, when this happened in Genesis chapter 3, immediately put into 
play, a plan to get it back to man. His plan was not to get man to heaven. That was never his plan. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. They weren't wandering around looking for a way to get to heaven. They were in control and in rulership over this earth. And so God, in his design, put a, play, uh, put a plan in, in play now to restore that. Not to get, his plan did not shift and say, okay, forget about it, let's just go to heaven. He's now put a, a plan in, in the earth to get man back in position to rule over the earth once again. And so we saw in our second week that Jesus came to do just that. Jesus came, the Son of God, the only one that was born into this earth without sin besides Adam. And he was able to take away our sin because our sin is what separated us from God. You cannot walk in the will of God with sin in your life and with disobedience and and, uh, that corruption. So Jesus came, dies on the cross not to get man to heaven. That's what we've been preaching for years. That's what we've been thinking for years. And heaven is a byproduct, but Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross to take away sin. Sin now is removed out of man. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, you make him the Lord of your life. Sin is removed. The Bible says that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are a new creation. We're something that never existed before. So now God can once again place his spirit back in man. Because remember, Adam and Eve had the Holy Spirit within them to fulfill and do and and, uh, act on the earth as God would have him act. So God has now placed his spirit back within man. So now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how God sees you, by the way. That's how God sees you. Don't ever come off of that. Don't ever allow anyone, don't ever allow any person or any church or any pastor or Uh, the devil who's behind all that ever tell you that you are not. And a lot of people see themselves in light of their former state. Well, you know, I was a sinner and, you know, by the grace of God, he came and saved me. But, you know, sometimes I I, I still do stupid things and I still make wrong choices and I still, you know, hurt people and say things I shouldn't. And that's not who you are. I can make a sound like I'm barking, but that doesn't make me a dog. So just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. It's one that practices habitually with with no desire to change and no desire to to change their lifestyle and and be what the Bible says you can be. That is a practicer of sin, okay? That is a habitual sinner. Uh, But sinning does not make you a sinner. It's the heart motive. God's looking at the heart. That's why I can't judge you. That's why I can't, I can't judge your heart. I can't look at you and say, oh, you're just a sinner because you just do all that. That's not my right. I can judge your actions. I can look at your actions and I can say, well, you're doing this and doing this and doing this and that's not right. But I have no right to look at you and say you're a sinner because you sin. Because it's in your heart. You, you, may, you may do that and immediately say, Father, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Father, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have acted that way. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. And as soon as you repent, guess what God does? Put you right back in that position of righteousness. That's your position, okay? That's how God sees you. So don't ever come off of that. So God has put us in this position of righteousness. Why? It's because to rule in the earth, we have to be righteous. And that word righteous, that's not a religious word. That's not a Bible word. Because if you take that back to a kingdom term, that actually means just to be in right standing with the authority. See, if I go down here and I hit this stoplight, 
that's down here right before you get to 75. And if it's red and I stop, I obey the law, that makes me righteous. That means I'm in alignment. If I blow through the red light, I'm unrighteous. I just, I just came out of alignment with what the law says to do. Okay? So righteousness just means to be in right standing with the authority. So what is the authority? God's word. And when you're in alignment with that, you're righteous. Okay? So it basically means obedience. It basically means that you are obedient. That's what God's looking for in the earth. He's looking for a righteous people that will obey him. Okay? And that is our position. That's our position. Jesus restored that to us. Jesus, throughout his ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you got four books talking about his life, and he does not talk about heaven. Okay? He talks about a kingdom. And he doesn't talk about taking people out to get somewhere else. He's talking about putting something in. Look, God is not trying to get you out of the earth. He's trying to put something in the earth. Okay? And today, we're going to find out how that gets put in the earth. And then last week, we talked about the nation of God. We saw that throughout the entire Bible. Remember, we went from Genesis to Revelation. We went a, we went a while. I know I preached a while. But it was good, and we covered that from the beginning to the end. The only thing people have been looking for, people that were about God, the only thing they were looking for was being a people of God. And God was just trying to establish a nation. Remember how many times he tried to start over? Remember that? He tried to start over with Noah. He tried to start over with Abraham. He tried to start over with Moses. He said, I'll wipe them all out. Just get out of the way because I want to start over with you. He's always trying to start over his plan. And then obviously with Jesus coming, he was able to create that people, create that nation of people. That's what God was trying to do. So let's look at this here in Matthew chapter 6. We've seen the big picture. We've seen that Jesus has restored that big picture. And we've seen that God is desiring to have a people uh, that will operate in the earth the way he intended them. So now look, let's look at what Jesus said here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We all know this. We've probably quoted it many times. It says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on where? Earth. As it is where? In heaven. This is Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Now, this isn't a ritual, because Jesus already said, don't be repetitious in your prayers. Don't be ritualistic. Don't just say the same thing over and over and over with no heart behind it. So what's he doing? He's given an outline. This is how you ought to pray. First, he, he notes that our Father, who is in heaven, he's locating your relationship with God. It's beyond just God the Creator. He's now your Father. Then he locates where he is. God is in heaven. That's where he is. Hallowed be your name, which means, you know, worship him. This, the, the first thing, part of this is worshiping God, coming in a worshipful attitude. Then the very next thing he goes to is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is heaven on earth, as we're talking about. And, you know, we, we throw that statement out there probably a lot ourselves. That's like heaven on earth. Oh, that vacation, it was like heaven on earth. 
Man, that cheesecake, that, that was like heaven on earth, right? We, we, we term a lot of things heaven on earth. And we just throw it out there, and it's a term that we don't think is actually possible. But according to this passage, Jesus is actually asking us to pray that his kingdom would come, his will be done here as it is in heaven. Now, if you study the actual Greek, the terminology used here is not future tense. What he's actually saying is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's actually saying, here and now. Your will be done here, where we're at, and your will be done now. Right now. Now, will God's kingdom come fully in operation the way it was in the Garden of Eden? Yes, in the very end. Jesus will come back as a king. The earth will be taken out of Satan's hands and it will be placed back into man's hands again. This will happen if you study Revelations out. Revelation is not a scary book. There's a lot of believers out there, there's a lot of churches out there that they study it and they read it, and it's the scariest thing on the face of the planet. They, they try to avoid it, or they, they try to you know, be warned bad things are coming. But for the church, it's the most exciting book in the Bible. And we'll take some time to study it out, because it's the, probably one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible. But when you actually study what Revelation is talking about, it's, talk, it's an exciting, it's talking about a kingdom coming back to the earth. It's talking about Jesus coming back as its king. And it's talking about the earth being placed back into the dominion and the authority of man like it should have been in the beginning. Okay? And everything will be changed back to the way it was. There won't be any more death. It says there won't be any more death. No more pain. No more tears. That's what the Bible says. Okay? So he's saying your kingdom come, your will be done. Go back to 10 real quick. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this isn't future tense. This is talking now. This is our prayer. Now, let's go to verse 11. We'll finish it out. Give us this day our daily bread. There's another translation over in Luke that says, give us day by day. Which means that God is accountable for today. Uh, Over in uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got his own worries, it's got its own pains, it's got its own problems. He says, just worry about today. If we can just get a hold of that, that Jesus will take care of my next 24 hours. Well, I got a bill due, you know, it's due on Tuesday, I don't have the money. Today. Let's focus on today. Is he paying? Is, is he, do you have food on the table? Today. Do you have gas in your car? Today. And then tomorrow, we'll approach that. And guess what? God's going to show up because it says that he'll give us our daily bread, day by day. And that's faith. That's faith walking out today with knowing that tomorrow, God, I mean, look, you ain't surprising God. He knows there's a bill on Tuesday. He knows your, your car is probably going to run out of gas tomorrow. He, he knows these things. He's not sitting up there thinking, man, I don't know how we're going to do it. He's orchestrating this thing. He's got this thing all planned out. We, we you know, sometimes we do this thing like we're walking it all alone. And we forget that God's already been there. You've heard me say before, he's already got the answer to your problem before you even had the problem. Yeah. So that's the God that we're serving. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we see here that Jesus is saying, you need to request that my kingdom come to the earth. My will be done on the earth today as it is in heaven. Now, how many of us can look around and say that God's will is being done? Just, it just in, I mean, as a whole, you look at the earth, would you say that the earth is in operation according to God's will? No, absolutely not. Does this, does this look like what God's kingdom would look like? The corruption, the death, the decay, the government systems. I mean, everything is twisted. Everything is used now for selfish motives. Okay? Everything is being used improperly. I was having a discussion this morning with Kirk about it. And we were talking about how everything in this earth was meant to be used as an outward focus, not an inward focus. The things that we look at today, the cars that we drive, the houses we live in, the the things we own, the money we have, uh, for most people in the earth, there's a selfish motive to it. You get a job because you want to have money, and yeah, of course it's to live, but it's still with a selfish motive of, I need to work a job to have money to pay my bills and pay my mortgage and pay for my car payments and pay for whatever. There's a selfish motive to it. The the things that we have are there because, you know, I desire them or I want them. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have things. I'm not saying that at all. But we we got to have more of an outward focus. And when things are mishandled or used improperly, then we see them get corrupt. We see, we see this getting corrupt. Uh, we were talking about a job and a marriage. Two things that you that most people do. A lot of people have jobs. A lot of people get married. But those things are even to be used uh, with an assignment-driven mindset. That's what we were talking about. We were talking about our lives are assignment-driven. You you have to understand that. Everything you do is assignment-driven. My marriage is assignment-driven. My my kids are assignment-driven. I've been assigned as a parent by God. In my job, I have been assigned to this job. In your church, you have been assigned to your church. See, when you look at it as assignment-driven, then you become more outward-focused with it. See, a lot of people get married because they want to feel loved or be in love or have someone to love them. Uh, A lot of people get a job because they want to work to get money. A lot of people have kids because they desire to have a family. And not that those desires are wrong, but... There is something beyond. See, when you look at something as an assignment, then you say, what do I have to bring to the table? Nobody looks at it as an assignment and says, what can this do for me? Now, do you get something out of it? Sure. Better believe it. But when you go into an assignment, you look at it as, okay, what can I bring to this area? If your job is your assignment, then you go in saying, what, what, what influence am I supposed to bring? Who am I supposed to impact at my job? I mean, think about your job. You have customers, you have vendors, you have coworkers, you have employers or employees. You have people that you deal with on a regular basis. People. Okay? And if we only work the job to get a paycheck, to pay a bill, then we're missing the whole assignment 
part of it. We've, we've become, what does the job do for me, rather than what do I bring to the job? That's how we're supposed to be led. So that's what this heaven on earth thing is all about. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 17, verse 21. I know it's further on down there, but we've got to skip there. Uh, Luke 17, verse 20. Let's start with verse 20. Jesus said, pray that the kingdom would come, that his will would be done. But look what Jesus says about this. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, now, why do you think the Pharisees asked him that? Because it's all he's talking about. I mean, he's talking about this kingdom so literally and so much that they're actually looking for it. They killed Jesus because he was talking about it so much that they thought he was actually a front to the political system at that time. That's why they put him to death. I mean, this, this is all he's about. So the Pharisees asked him, when is the kingdom of God going to come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, by seeing. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. I said this on Wednesday. The kingdom of God, this is very vital for the rest of this message right here. The kingdom of God does not come into the earth in operation until it comes into operation inside of man. I'll say that again. The kingdom of God is not in operation in the earth until the kingdom of God is in operation in you. I use the reference uh, in Luke chapter 2. Jesus is born. Angels go out to some shepherds out in the field, and they, what do they say? Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Why, does he, why do they say that? They're saying peace doesn't come into the earth until peace comes into man. See, your job isn't going to be a peaceful area until you bring peace to the job. Your home is not going to be peaceful until you bring peace to your home. The people that you deal with on a daily basis. If the kingdom of God is not working within you, then the kingdom of God is not going to work around you. And you cannot make the kingdom of God work in your everyday life if you will not allow the kingdom of God to work in your life on the inside. That's why he said the kingdom of God is within you. What's he saying? He's saying it is up to man to get my kingdom into the earth. I mean, he's already got, Jesus already has us asking, making the request to get the kingdom into the earth. You pray the kingdom come. You pray my will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Where I'm at and things the way they are here, and so it begs the question, well, what is God's will? Is it God's will for people to be sick? No. Is it God's will for people to die before their age? No. Is it God's will for you to lose your job? Is it God's will for you to be in lack? Is it God's will for you to be anxious? Is it God's will for you to be depressed? Is it God's will for you? We, we can ask all these questions. And if the answer is no in heaven, then guess what? The answer should be no in the earth. But it's not going to be no in the earth if it's not first no within you. So you have to settle within you. I'm not going to be depressed. 
Because I want God's will to be done in my life the way it is in heaven. I'm not going to be sick. I'm going to stand on God's word and what it says about my healing because God's will in heaven is no sickness. So therefore, God's will in my body is no sickness. I will live a full age until I'm ready to go home and I will be an influence to everybody on this earth because God's will is not for me to die in heaven. So God's will is not for me to die in the earth. We've got to get bold about that. We've got to get serious about that. That's the kingdom of God coming to the earth. And it doesn't happen until the kingdom of God comes within you. You just became the door for the kingdom. You just became where the kingdom funnels through. And that's why we've got to live this, this kingdom life from the inside out. And we've got to get this in operation in our own world, in our own life. Because we're not going to see things change at our workplace and in our homes and with our family members and with our loved ones and people we come in contact with if it's not changing us. I, I can't change you in something that I'm unwilling to change myself in. I can't talk to you about getting your finances right if I'm, willing, if I'm unwilling to work with my finances. I, I can't talk to you about not living in fear of tomorrow if I'm just constantly anxious and worried about what tomorrow is going to bring me. You see where this is going. So the kingdom of God has to operate within us. That's how we get the kingdom of God in the earth. Now, uh, do we want to go there? Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. God wants his kingdom in operation in the earth. He's wanted that from the beginning, and it's still his goal today. But he's placed that responsibility within man. He's placed that responsibility within us. And I'm going to get real specific here in a little bit. God has placed that responsibility with the church, specifically the church, his people, his body. And I don't mean uh, the church as in this building and it's up to us, I mean the people in the church. Okay? Those are the ones that are to carry the kingdom. We're about to look at that. But look at this real quick in Luke chapter 12. In case you're still wondering if God wants his kingdom in the earth. Luke chapter 12 verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God in all these things shall be added to you. See, Jesus is talking here, and this is, there's another reference in Matthew chapter 6. And what he's saying is, here's what everybody in the world is seeking after. They're seeking after food. They're seeking after clothing. They're seeking after money. They're seeking after being provided for. They're seeking after jobs. They're seeking after love. They're seeking after relationships. The people, they're seeking after all these things. That's become their life goal. Climb as high up the corporate ladder as I can. Save as much money as I can. Uh, find the right wife and have the right amount of kids and get the right dogs and, and buy the right cars and have the right house and, and get the right boats. This has become what people seek after. Now, we've got to define the word seek because what Jesus is talking about is priorities. What you seek is, is your priority. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying you can't have those things. 
Because he actually goes on to say, look, I clothe the grass. I clothe the lilies of the field. In fact, they are more beautiful than King Solomon who had all the wealth. Would I not take care of you? He's not saying that you have to live poor and destitute. I mean, that's actually gospel for some churches, is you have to be poor. I mean, if you want to be close to God, you can't have any money. Well, how in the world are you supposed to be a blessing to someone else's life if you ain't got nothing flowing through your life? Give me a break. People just say some of the goofiest stuff because they're either in pride. It's called the humble message is what it's called. But to me, it's actually more prideful because I'm unwilling to get off of my seat and go and do something for the kingdom of God. So my way of justifying my actions is just to say that God wants me to be this way. That's pathetic. That's a sad way to live. And they're going to be in for a rude awakening when the end comes and find out and said, I wanted you to do this and this and this. I mean, I've always, I've told people, and it's something that I've carried over into the ministry, is I'll have millions of dollars flow through my hands. Flow through. I want to be a funnel. And I have no problem with money. I have no problem with having money. I have no problem. Why? Because the money doesn't have me. The finances do not have me. But I can have the money because God knows that I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do with it. I'm not trying to get money so I can show off my bank account and show off my cars and my my houses. Well, I have nice stuff. You better believe it. I'll have nice stuff. I ain't going to drive a broke down car. I'm I'm not not going to work some lame job and, and... you know, just, well, this is what God wants for me. No, believe God for more. Because the more he can put in you is the more he can put through you. He wants us to be blessed. So, Jesus isn't saying, forget all that stuff. But he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And what? All these things will be added. So my question to those people is, if you're seeking the kingdom, like you say you are, then why ain't nothing being added? Being added to your life. Why why are you driving what you're driving? And why are you living where you're living? And why are you struggling the way you're struggling? I'm not saying everyone has to have millions. And I'm God, you know what provision is? Having enough. To satisfy your needs. That's what provision is. That's what wealth is. I mean, the word wealth doesn't even mean finances. To, to be wealthy means to be uh, doing right in, in your life, being healthy and, and, and having a good family and, 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 and being whole and, and needs met. I mean, if my electric bill is $100 and I'm able to pay my electric bill for $100, I am just as wealthy as someone that has an electric bill that has is $500 and needs to pay a $500. You know, we we went and listened to a minister a while back, um, you know, because he was doing a leadership thing for pastors. And he's got a large ministry. And um, he said, you know, I've got the same problems you do, just more zeros. You've got to fire one person, and i got to fire 40 people. i got to pay an electric bill for, uh, for my building, and it's, you know, $2,500 a month. And you got to pay your electric bill for your building, and it's, $95 a month, you know? I mean, it's the same problem. Every level, and not that it's a problem, but what he's saying is with the more you grow, I mean, the bigger the house is, the bigger the payment. The better the car, the bigger the payment. I mean, they're there. 
So it's not about being wealthy. It's if you can pay for your house and I can pay for my house, then we're both wealthy, regardless of the size of the house and the price of the house. Because value is in you anyways. A car is not worth $35,000 to me if I'm willing to pay the $35,000. The value is in what I'm willing to pay for it. I value it at $18,000. So if you give it to me for that, then there you go. That's the value. You can't put a price tag to value something. It's whatever, it's how much you value it. Okay? So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, and then these things will be added. He's, what he's saying is, make my kingdom a priority. See, I want to get heaven into earth. I want my will in heaven to be done in the earth. And I have to do it through you. I have to get my kingdom in you. So seek the kingdom and all these things will be added. Now look at what he says in verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now if anybody had any questions or doubts, Go ahead and underline and circle and highlight that, that verse. Put a sticky note on it. Read it every day. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know why it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom? Because if, if he can't get you the kingdom, then he can't get the kingdom in the earth. If he can't get the kingdom in you, then he can't get this earth looking like the kingdom of God. He can't get your job looking like the kingdom. He can't get your family and your home looking like the kingdom. So he says, I have no problem. It is my good pleasure. I am gladly giving away the kingdom to you. He didn't say I'm gladly putting the kingdom in the earth. He said I'm gladly giving it to you so you can put it in the earth. So the kingdom has to be operation in operation within us. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. God's will is that we have heaven on earth. And no longer is that just a statement that, you know, phrases something that we think is just totally awesome. It should be our daily heaven on earth. I want heaven on earth. How many of you want heaven on earth in your finances? How many of you want heaven on earth in your job? Heaven on earth in your home? Yeah. I think we would all say yes. Well, guess what? We become the kingdom administrators, you could say. We administrate. We carry the kingdom. That means every person that you come in contact with comes in contact with the kingdom. That means when you go to your job, the kingdom just showed up at your job. And now we we, we, we need to represent the kingdom properly. We talk right. We walk in love. We do the right things. We treat people right. That's the character of the kingdom. That's how you administrate the kingdom to people. And then you become blessed because you're seeking first the kingdom. And I think I may have said it a few weeks ago. I struggle with that a little bit. Seek first the kingdom. I mean, how do you seek the kingdom? I mean, he just went on and said, it's not here or there. You you can't say here it is or there it is. It's not with observation. So how do you seek the kingdom? You're physically driving around Valdosta looking for the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. Seeking the kingdom means the things that are in your possession, you first ask God, what am I to do with that? It's making priority. One of those things is time. Time. Using our time for the kingdom. I've got time. I, I could 
sit on the couch and watch a movie, but somebody just called and said that they need help moving. So I'm going to seek the kingdom, and I'm going to go help that person move. Uh, finances. I've, I've got this little bit left over. I'm going, to, I'm going to put it into the church. I could go and buy this, or I could go and do that. But you know what? I'm going to put it into the kingdom of God. And I'm going to see the kingdom prosper. It's putting him first. It's, he's talking about priorities, resources, things. I mean, there's things that we have over here in our, in our children's ministry that were given to us, added, because someone sought the kingdom. I could have sold it in a garage sale. I could have put it on Craigslist. I could have you know, kept it for my grandchildren. But you know what? I'm going to seek the kingdom. That's what seeking the kingdom is in your job. In your job. Your, your job is no longer there to get a paycheck and pay your bills. It's to seek the kingdom. This is my assignment. So that means my coworkers, I'm going to talk to them about the kingdom. I'm going to show them the kingdom and demonstrate the kingdom to them. That's how you seek the kingdom. That's what he means by seek the kingdom. And then guess what? Everything's added. You know that, that verse, Matthew 6, 33, and then uh, what we just read there, seek first the kingdom and everything will be added. You know that's what Adam and Eve lived in perpetually. They sought the kingdom of God and everything was taken care of. They weren't going through the garden trying to decide what they're going to eat and what, you know, where are we going to live. They had no worries. Had no worries. Everything was taken. They didn't have to think about that. I mean, how many of you would just like to go through life and not think about the things that we're, we think about? I don't have to think about how I'm going to pay that bill next week. I know it's going to be taken care of because I've sought the kingdom. Now, here's the thing about seeking the kingdom. It requires you to seek the kingdom even when that's all you have. Well, God, I only have $100, and I've got to pay this bill. Seek the kingdom. Because he said he would add it. And that's where faith comes in. It's easy to seek the kingdom when it's extra. But now when God says, I want you to give $500 to Anchor Faith Church. I want, I want, I want you to give that $50 to that person, to your coworker. God, that's the last $50 I have, and I've got to put gas in my car. Now we're, that's just as much seeking the kingdom. Just as much seeking the kingdom, because he said that he would add. He said he would add to us. He said that it would be added. You know what that word added means? You didn't work for it. That's literally what that word means. Added means it was given to you. You didn't work for it. So your paycheck, that's not added to you. Your paycheck, you work for it. You put in the time. And you can treat God like your job. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. What I mean by that is, how many of you, when your two weeks comes and you don't get your paycheck, or however often you get paid, I mean, you're looking for the check. And if they don't have your check, what's your first answer? But I just did what you asked me to do. You know, you can do that with God. When you are obedient and righteous and you have walked in what he's asked you, you can come You can come to payday and you can say, God, I did what you asked me to do. Yeah, you can make a demand of God. Look in the Bible. They were demanding of God. People, you know, I can't demand anything. You know, he's God and he's got my, if he wants me to not pay my bill. No, he wants you to pay your bill. 
wants you to be in right standing with creditors. He wants you to be in right standing with people. He wants you to be able to take care of your house and be able to have your lights on so you can take a shower and have a warm house in the cold and a cold house in the heat. I mean, come on. Well, I guess it just wasn't God's will. Well, maybe we missed it somewhere. We've got to be obedient. And when we step out on his word like that, seek first the kingdom, he is obligated. He's obligated. He said that his word will not return void. So his word says, seek the kingdom and you will add to me. That's what his word says, which means that he cannot fail on his word. He cannot come back. He cannot take it back. He cannot decide otherwise. He cannot change his mind. If you do what he's telling you to do, his word will perform in your life. We just have to be obedient. And that's why we come to church, and that's why we get in the Word. I just want to find more ways to be obedient to God. That's all. Is there something I'm not doing right? Is is there somewhere I'm out of alignment? Is there something that I need to correct just a little bit? Let me correct that so I can be added to. Amen? So, where did I say to go? Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Look what Jesus does here. Verse 1. Luke 9, verse 1. He called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure. Now, notice Jesus is still on the earth. Jesus is still on the earth doing his ministry. And now the twelve disciples that he had with him, look what he does. He's now given them his power and his authority over all demons and to cure, cure diseases. But look what verse 2 says. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus is doing the same thing with us. He is sending us to preach the kingdom of God. Now, when I say preach, I don't mean you've got to get up here in front of a bunch of people, grab a microphone, and and go at it. Because you can preach with your actions. You can preach with your words. You can preach at your job. You can preach at Walmart. Preach simply means to proclaim, to tell about. So he sent his disciples out to minister the kingdom of God, not only in word, but in demonstration, to heal the sick. Well, what are other ways we can demonstrate the kingdom of God? Somebody says something bad about me, and I close my mouth. That's demonstrating the kingdom of God. The boss comes in and says, all right, we're having to shut it down. We've got three weeks, and everyone else operates in anxiety and worry and fear, and you just operate out of peace and calmness. You just demonstrated the kingdom of God because you know that he's adding to you and this job was never my provider in the first place. That's a demonstration. So he's wanting you to demonstrate, he's wanting you to proclaim the kingdom with your voice, with your mouth. Then he's wanting you to demonstrate the kingdom of God in your lifestyle, in what you do, in how you live. The same thing he's asking of his disciples, he's asking of us today and what's he doing that's how he's getting his kingdom in the earth through man see god put a system he set a precedent you could say he put a system into place that man would have control on the earth that's why jesus came as a man i mean jesus could god could have said from heaven poof your sins are forgiven but he took the ability away for him to do anything in the earth without having a man. So now he... See, don't get stuck on Jesus as the man. 
That was 30 years of his life. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then you go down to verse 14, it says the Word became flesh, which is Jesus. We get hung up on Jesus as the man that walked around on the earth for 33 years and did all the things he did, but Jesus is the Word of God. And God had to take his word and put it into flesh form. Because way back in the beginning of this thing, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he turned over all authority to where his word now had to be inside man. His word still has to be inside man, and you are that man. For God to get anything accomplished in the earth, he's still requiring a man, a flesh suit, to carry his word in the earth. Still today. Jesus was the example of that. I mean, you think about it. God, he he can do anything he wants. God is in control, right? God is in control of one thing. His word. You know, we, we, we serve a sovereign God. He's sovereign over one thing. His word. He's already put his word into play and he can't retract on that. He can't come back off of that. So if he says now we give man dominion, we give man authority, we give man control in the earth. Well, then guess who's got control in the earth? Man. Well, what about the devil? He's doing things. He's operating illegally in a kingdom. Illegally. He's in this earth doing things illegally. But the legal way to do it, the right way to do it, obviously God's not going to break his own command. He's not going to operate illegally. So for him to get anything done on the earth, guess who he needs? Us. Man. Humans. This flesh. See, that's why, you know, I don't, I don't have patience for sickness, and I don't have patience for, uh, you know, uh, death. Because if your flesh is removed, then your spirit has no operation within the earth. If, if your spirit, man that is inside your flesh right now, if your flesh drops and falls to the ground, your spirit goes to one of two places. It does not remain in the earth. Well, that's all right. My my spirit will take over. Nope. Your spirit needs your flesh. God already made it that way. He preordained it. The first chapter of the Bible, he already said that you can't, a, a spirit being has no access. And what is God? A spirit. So he has no access in the earth. So what does he do? He takes his word, the same word that said, let there be light, the same word that said, let there be trees, the same word that said, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Now he takes that word and he puts it in a flesh suit, in a human form, to die on the cross and to rise again to restore the kingdom back to the earth. That's what Jesus did. But Jesus existed way before he showed up in Matthew, and Mark, and Luke, and John. He's all the way back in Genesis. He was right there when God said, let there be. That was God's word. Okay? So God has turned it over to man. Man is now in control of getting heaven into the earth. Now, specifically, man as a whole, yes, is getting heaven into the earth. But does everybody you know bring in heaven to earth? Some of them seem like they're bringing hell to earth. Right? So it's like they're, they're acting, they're being more obedient to another God. So, what kind of man? What kind of human? 
Matthew chapter 16. There is a specific people that God is using, that is, He's utilizing to bring heaven into the earth. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to start with verse 13. Most of you know this story. In fact, we spent quite a while when we were talking about the building of the church. Uh, we were here. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is talking with his disciples. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? The Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's the one that told you. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here we go, verse 19. And I will give you. Now, when he says you, he's not talking to Peter anymore. He's talking about the church. And I will give you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Keys represent authority. Keys represent authority. If I have the key to something, then I have the right or the authority to enter it or to use it. If I have the key to the vehicle, I have the right to use it. If I have the key to this building, I have the right to enter the building. Keys represent authority. They also represent management. You ever seen a janitor? They've got a lot of keys. Why? Because they have the authority to enter as they please and to manage that property, that thing. Okay? So, keys represent this authority and this management. For me, something that I've seen is that this passage that we just read is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, all over again. Genesis 1, 26. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have control. Let them have management over the birds of the air fish of the sea, over all the cattle. Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19, are Genesis 1.26. It is Jesus restoring Genesis 1.26 back to man, that dominion and that authority. But look who he restores it to. Verse 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. That you is the church. He's talking to Peter, and he's saying, Peter, upon you, the rock, I'm going to build my church. But Peter just got the thing started. The church is still here today. Now look. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So where's the binding taking place? In the earth. Where's the loosing taking place? In the earth. 
Who's doing the binding and the loosing? We are. The church. Now, whatever happens here takes place there. Now, the word bind and loose, they actually mean to forbid and permit or to allow. So whatever we keep from happening in the earth, heaven will keep. You notice heaven is following us. We act like we're just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God to, to, to show me something. I'm just waiting on God to take care of it. No, you're not. He's sitting up there saying, I'm waiting on you. I've turned over the authority. I've turned over the control. I've turned over the management to you. I'm just waiting on God to, you know, to, to move in my life and, 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 and help me with my finances. No. He's waiting on you to take control and to take authority over that thing and say, no, in the name of Jesus, my finances will line up to the word of God. And then seek first his kingdom. Be obedient where he's asking you to be obedient. Well, I'm waiting on God to, to move in my job situation. You know, I've been believing God for a new situation, or, you know, for a new job. No, he's waiting on you to take authority over that. God is in heaven sitting down. Jesus is in heaven sitting down. They're relaxing. In fact, Jesus, when he died on the cross, right before he died, he said, it is finished. He's done. And he's performed what he performed and done what he did to get the power to you. He's transferred, transferred that authority. He's now saying, if the will of God's going to be done in the earth, it's going to be done because man is making it happen. Because man is taking authority. Because man is taking control. Because man is now managing and ruling what I've given him to manage and rule. Adam and Eve were not waiting around for God to cultivate the earth. Well, God, you said that you were going to... No. Because God said, I've now turned over authority to you. You tend the garden. You keep the garden. Forbid and allow. See, Adam and Eve, they were supposed to forbid Satan from doing anything in that garden. That was Adam's job. Along with tending and cultivating the garden, he was also there to keep the bad stuff out. And they obviously didn't do that, did they? They didn't do it. They let the bad stuff in. But see, we are there to forbid that from happening. We're here to forbid those things. We're here to forbid sickness coming on our body. We're here to forbid to keep lack and poverty from coming in our home. We are here to forbid fear taking over our lives. And then we're here to allow. We're here to allow God's blessings to come upon our life. We are here to allow peace to take over our life. We are here to allow His kingdom to go forth. That's what we're here for. The church specifically. Remember he said, I will build my church. There's a lot of churches out there. That's why Jesus had to get specific and say, I'm going to build my church. My church. What church is going to look like him? The church that is binding and loosing. Pretty much you can put it this way, nothing should happen in this earth without our permission. So my question is, is what has the church allowed to happen? Over time. 
What has the church let in to the earth? Just like Adam and Eve. Just like Adam and Eve let in Satan. Uh, is the church not rising up? And we're seeing things take place. We're seeing prayer taken out of schools. And we're seeing, uh, you know, different laws being passed. And all this junk happening. And Christians, the church, is standing by when we ought to have the authority to forbid or allow it. We have that authority. We have that control. It's been turned over to the church. We are supposed to bring heaven to earth. Prayer being taken out of schools, that's not heaven on earth. Laws being passed for same-sex marriages, that's not heaven on earth. That's not the will of God in heaven, and it's not the will of God in the earth. But these things are happening. Why? Because the church is not rising up to forbid or allow. And we're waiting, you know, when, God, when are you going to come to this nation? God, when, when are you going to show yourself? He has shown himself. You have his word. You, how much, what more do you need? I mean, we have something better than Adam and Eve. We got something better than Adam and Eve. Because with them, God walked with them in the garden. But with us, he lives inside of us. Adam did not have him inside. He had his spirit, but God was not living inside of him. Jesus paid a price for us. Adam and Eve did not have someone die on the cross for their sins. They did not have someone die to buy their life. We've been redeemed by blood. We have something that's more valuable. We have something that's better than what they had. But it's for a reason. It's to bring heaven into the earth. See, everything I've talked about for the last three weeks, the big picture, Jesus restoring the nation of God, all that is supposed to be happening in the earth. I'm not talking about anything that's going on in heaven. I'm not talking about the, anything that's happening, you know, one day when we get there. I'm not a one day when we get there kind of preacher. If that's what you want, there's plenty of churches in this town that preach that, I'm sure. But I don't preach that message. Because what a shame that a bunch of believers in the church get to heaven and we find out that we just spent our lives looking for something that we already had. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be walking, you know, God, I claim that, we'll, that I have, you know, streets of gold. I'm not talking about what the Bible says about heaven. I'm just talking about God's will. That's why you were made in his image and his likeness. So you'd be able to know and understand his will. See, Adam and Eve, they, Adam was made in God's image and in his likeness. That doesn't mean that he looked like him. He had the same facial features and the same body type. That's not what that means. He's talking about the, the likeness, the character, the character of God. He was able to walk in love. He was able to be at peace. Fear didn't control his life. He wasn't depressed. And then the ability to know the will of God. If I'm made in someone's likeness, then their will becomes my will. What, he's, what he desires, and I'm able to think in sync with God, what he wants to happen, I can make it happen in the earth. And we pass this off as, you know, heaven on earth. Well, this should be a per perpetual lifestyle for us. But it first has, has to happen within our lives. And we're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of Christ. This is who the authority has been given to. This is who the power has been given to. You can say that the church is, 
is a is a kingdom or like a government embassy. We're, 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 this is a kingdom function. And we have been sent in the earth to bring heaven to the earth. When you meet someone, they should be they should be confronted with heaven. When you talk to someone, they should be confronted with heaven. When you go to someone's house or when you go into someone's place to work, they should be confronted with heaven. And see, what happened was man got in the earth. Instead of bringing heaven into the earth, they ended up getting changed to look like the world that's around them. We saw that last week with God's nation. We saw that the Israelites, when they went into a region, the Philistines and the Amorites and the Hivites and all these nations that, you know, all the ites that we named, when they went in there, they were supposed to tear down their gods and get them to worship the God. But what happened? They got in there. They got hooked up with the women and started following after their idols. So instead of being transformed and transforming what's around them, they started conforming. That's the number one risk for every believer, is just to conform with what's around you. Well, everyone else around me cusses, so I cuss. Everyone else around me, uh, you know, makes fun of people, so I make fun of people. Everyone around me cheats, so I cheat. And we just become like what's around us when God is saying, you're supposed to be bringing heaven to earth. See, heaven is a country. This will help you out. Heaven is a country. See, if, if me as an American, if I go to another country, guess what I'm bringing with me? My American culture. People are going to know I'm American because of the way that I talk, the way that I act, Right? I have a culture about me that doesn't match their culture. And that's what God's asking us to do. You're from another country. Don't look at yourself as being from this world any longer. Paul said, I'm a foreigner. I'm an alien in this country. And he wasn't saying that to say, I don't have anything to do with these people because I'm different. He's saying, I have everything to do with these people because I'm different. I have a mandate, I have an obligation to show these people what heaven's like. See, in heaven, we don't talk that way. See, in heaven, we don't act that way. See, in heaven, we don't live a life like that. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We're not corrupt. And what are we doing? Introducing heaven. Introducing a new culture. See, the Bible says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. Fullness of time was because the Roman Empire, that's what they did. The Roman Empire, see, other nations, when they would go and they would take over another country, they would pull all those people back as slaves and bring them back to their... That's what Babylon did. Remember Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego? They got taken out of their nation, and the Babylonians took, you know, defeated them and took them back to Babylon. So then Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and, and all these people went to Babylon as slaves and worked for the king. Romans did not do this. The Romans, this is why their empire was the greatest, the strongest. Because they would go out, they would conquer a nation. Then the Romans would take 300 of their own citizens, put them in that region, and establish Roman culture among them. They didn't take those people out. They went there and said, all right, now you're going to learn what Romans do. You're going to learn how Romans act. You're going to learn how, what Romans eat. You're going to worship who the Romans worship. You're going to learn to obey Caesar like the Romans worship Caesar. That's why Jesus came in the fullness 
of time. Because he said, I'm bringing a kingdom. And he was able to talk about his kingdom. And the reason why they, the, everyone had such a front, why everyone was so fearful of him, is because they thought his moves were political, is because his kingdom acted just like the Roman Empire. And they're thinking, this guy's going to overthrow Caesar. Remember when they went before Pilate? And they said he's calling himself the king of the Jews. They, they called him a traitor. And Pilate's, you know, what's, what's the big deal? And they were like, don't you understand? And, and where, where Pilate got fearful was because he was afraid of them going to Caesar. He didn't want Caesar to hear about it. He didn't want, it hear, he didn't want Caesar to hear And Pilate just thought he was a crazy guy. Thought he was just another, another guy just saying, you know, I'm king. I mean, think about it. If you saw someone walking around the street saying, I'm, I'm the president of the United States. I'm the president. I'm really the president. You'd think they're crazy. It's the same thing. That's what they thought about Jesus. He's calling himself a king. But he was so dogmatic. Luke chapter 11, last verse. He was so bold about his message that they thought he was for real. They thought he was really talking about a kingdom that was going to come to the earth and overthrow (coughs) the Roman Empire. um, No, Matthew chapter 11. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 11. (coughs) We've been in Luke so long, I got to say in Luke. This is what your life is going to look like if you apply what we're teaching today. If you apply what we're talking about, if you apply what you've heard today and what you've heard for the last three weeks, this is what you will look like. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Jesus' ministry was so bold. Jesus' Jesus's ministry was so in your face. He was so He was talking about the kingdom so much that people thought he was for real. And even though he said, my kingdom's not here or there, it's not with observation, you can't see. But he had Pharisees, religious leaders coming to him saying, when is your kingdom coming? He had uh, Nicodemus come to him in the middle of the night say, man, the things you do, they are of God. They're they're of a different kingdom. You're, You're from a different territory. And people knew that him and his disciples that they were different. And if you apply what we're talking about today, you will look different and you will be different. And there's nothing to apologize for. There's nothing to be sorry about. Well, I'm sorry I'm just so bold about the... No, there is nothing to be sorry for. I am in a kingdom. I am in the kingdom of God. And I am here to introduce to you a new culture and a new way of living. I'm here to bring the kingdom to my job. I'm here to bring the kingdom to my family. I'm here to bring the kingdom to my lost loved ones. Everywhere you go, you are about the kingdom of God and you're introducing and people wonder. People wonder why you walk in love when you shouldn't walk in love. People wonder why you're at peace when everything's falling apart. People wonder why you're always healthy and whole. And you get to come back with the kingdom of God. I am of a different culture. In my culture, sickness, sickness has no part of our culture. In my culture, we operate in peace. I don't, I don't have fear and worry. And we'll take some time at some point this year, we'll talk about kingdom culture. We'll talk about what culture is. Because culture is everything about, that's what a government brings. 
the, the, the way that we live is called culture. And the, it is performed because of the laws and the government that we live under. They're the ones that determine culture. They're the ones that determine whether it's okay for same-sex people to get married. And as long as it gets allowed, and as long as people allow it, guess what? It just becomes part of the culture. Everyday living. And today, it may seem wrong to a lot of people, but our children and our children's children will grow up and they won't know anything different. They'll, they'll think that, yeah, a man and a woman can get married and so can a man and a man and a woman and a woman. It'll become culture. You wait long enough. Yeah. It's very disappointing. That's why the church is here. That's why the church is here. Now, Jesus, in the book of Revelation, the picture gets a lot worse before it starts getting any better. Okay? But we still have a mandate. We still have an obligation. We still have a responsibility to bring heaven into the earth. We have a response. That's why I preached that message a few weeks ago on the unseen realm versus the seen realm. We are the ones that move the unseen realm to the seen. I may be sick in my body today, but I have healing in an unseen realm, and it is up to me to move that healing into my physical, seen body. I may not have the money to pay for that today, but it is up to me to move the finances or move the provision from the unseen realm to the seen realm. Remember we said in that message that you have no needs. You have no needs because it's already taken care of somewhere else. What you have to do is move it from one realm to another. And that is what we are here to do. We are here to move peace and remove fear. We are here to bring joy and remove depression. We are here to move provision and get rid of lack. We are here to move healing and get rid of sickness. This is why the church is here. That is what heaven on earth is. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you this morning.